Hello and welcome. You are listening to episode 19 of the Beauty Business Podcast. Now, if you're new around here, then this is the show about the businessy side of the beauty industry. It's particularly designed for all you independent salons out there. I'm here to bring you the tips, the tools, the knowledge and the advice to help get your beauty business, your salon or your spa to where you want it to be. My name is Adam Chatterley. I'm your host here and I'm on a mission to help mobile therapists, home salons, high street salons, indie spas to reach their full potential and their business goals through simple, practical and focused business advice, which I've gained working with salons and spas and hotels in this industry for dangerously close to 20 years now. I'm the salon business guy and I really can't tell you how to do a better massage, a better manicure or facial. I'm going to leave that to you and your skills, but I can help you to get more clients, the ones that you really want. I can help you to reduce your costs, to increase your profits, to sell more retail and to control your time. And that's a big one right there, the control of time. I'm hearing it more and more from the latest members of my private Facebook group called Beauty Business Hackers. Simply put, I want to help you make the money you deserve for all your hard work, time and effort, and I want you to enjoy your beauty business too. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Okay, so it's not quite Christmas yet, but it could be the most wonderful time of the year for you as a salon owner in your business. Did you know that it's possible for you to generate one third of your entire annual turnover in just the six week run up to Christmas? Now, before you get too excited, that doesn't mean that you can take the first part of next year off and go sit on a beach somewhere. But wouldn't it be amazing to know that you have all that money sat in your bank account already? More on this later. But this is entirely possible with some preparation and a bit of planning. And that's why I'm talking about Christmas before we're even out of September. Okay, before we get into the main part of the episode, this is actually part one of a somewhat accidental two-part mini-series all about making the most of Christmas in your salon. Now, I based this episode on a series of articles I wrote last year, and I've added some brand new ideas in here too. And once I started recording, I blew past the one hour mark and I still had more and more tips that I wanted to share with you. So rather than having a single epic length podcast episode, I decided to break it up into two parts so you can focus on the timely advice in this episode. You'll see what I mean in a minute and take action on that. And then you can fully focus on the next steps by listening to next week's episode. I hope that all makes sense. You still have time to get organised, but maybe not as much time as you might think. You'll see why as we get into the main part of today's episode. So let's get right into it, shall we? Well, first of all, have you heard of the money triangle? Well, what I'm about to explain is key to your money making efforts all year round. But to understand the power of this at Christmas in your business, I need to make sure you're at least familiar with it. So here's a very quick overview. Now, broadly speaking, there are three key ways that you can make money in your salon or beauty business. I call this the beauty business money triangle. And while it's difficult to show you a picture on a podcast, imagine a triangle and at each point you have either treatments and services, another point retail products, 
and at the final point, gift vouchers. But there is one thing that ties all these things together, and it's a force multiplier that allows you to exponentially grow the possibilities for each individual revenue source on its own and together, and it's the magic of marketing, or should I say, effective marketing. So the beauty business money triangle actually looks like a triangle with three ways to make money on the points and marketing taking up the whole of the middle. If you want to see a picture of this, of exactly what I'm talking about, head to the show notes page for this episode, which you'll find at beautybusinesspodcast.com forward slash episode 19. Doesn't really matter that you know what it looks like, but that's what I'm talking about here for a minute. Now, while you may not have seen it laid out like this before, this is not necessarily brand new information to you. But what I'm going to try and to do in the rest of this episode is to give you the express framework to maximize all three revenue sources individually and together at Christmas. Then using the power of marketing, I'm going to show you and I'm going to give you the keys to achieving your best Christmas ever and how to bank up to a third of your entire annual turnover in just November and December before Christmas. So first up, I want to talk about retail products. Now, there's no better time of year to flex those retailing muscles quite like at Christmas time. According to the Office of National Statistics, the average consumer spends an additional £900 or about $1,100 in the run-up to Christmas, both on presents for others, but also on little treats for themselves. It is party season after all. Now, your goal is to get them to get your customer to spend as much of that additional money as possible in your business. Now, for me, and hopefully for you, the greatest thing about retail products is that there is almost no limit to how much you can sell. Now, unlike treatments, which you can only do so many of based on the number of hours in the day that you're open, the number of staff on your team and the number of rooms in your salon, retail is virtually unlimited. Some salon business advisors will claim that you should aim for around 15 to 20% conversion of retail spend to treatment spend. And yeah, this is a good target to aim for. But there's absolutely no reason why you shouldn't aim for 30% or 40% or even more. Don't let yourself be constrained by that 15 to 20% threshold. Don't get there and think that you've made it and that's all you're ever going to do. Now, just to be clear, I am not suggesting for one minute that you should sell people things that they don't need. This is not at all what I'm advocating. What I'm saying is that there should be no reason that a client shouldn't want to buy from you. Now, at the end of the day, you have great products and you believe in them and you know that they deliver great results. Otherwise, you wouldn't sell them. Your client is looking for results, either for themselves or for whoever they are buying this as a gift for. Just make sure you help them to get the results by making it as easy as possible for your clients to buy from you. And this is really what I'm advocating here, not only at Christmas, but all year round when it comes to your retail products. Don't think in terms of selling, and I'm putting kind of air quotes up when I say that word, I mean the old-fashioned, somewhat sleazy form of selling that we associate with used car salesmen and dodgy stockbrokers. I mean today's version of selling in terms of simply identifying what your customer is looking for and then helping them to understand and how to achieve that using the products that you offer. Simples. Now, before we get any further into maximizing your Christmas retail sales, let me ask you one thing. Have you ordered your Christmas gifts from your product house or your supplier yet? I was at um, an event with Espar International in late October last year, and they told me that they'd already sold out, completely sold out of some of their Christmas product list. It wasn't even November and they'd sold out of stuff. So if you haven't done so, 
then as soon as this episode finishes, get on the phone to your sales rep and get your Christmas products ordered. But don't go anywhere yet because I want to help you to order the right things. So just how do you know what to order? Well, the easiest way to know what you need to order at Christmas is to look at what you sold last Christmas. Now, you want to order enough now so that you don't run out, but not too much so that you're left with loads of product after Christmas that you struggle to sell. Do make sure that you challenge yourself and your team, though. Don't just order the same amount as last year. Do go for a bit of an increase. Now, if you've only recently started out in business and you don't have any sales figures for last year, then you're going to need to get some advice from your product house business manager or rep. Just bear in mind that they're going to want you to take as much as possible. It's their job. So make sure you're comfortable with what you are ordering. Be ambitious, but don't go crazy. Okay, so now you know that you need to get off this podcast and order your Christmas products. Let's talk a bit more about maximizing those retail sales. Now, along with your wonderful and exciting Christmas stock, you need to make sure that you've got plenty of stock of your best selling items as well. Now, It's not the right time to try and sell the more tricky, high-end, difficult-to-sell retail items or the latest biotech products. Unless people are buying them, of course, then go for it. Now is the time to get in plenty of what sells best and just sell lots of it. Don't try and reinvent the wheel here. Don't make things harder for yourself than they need to be. Now, this advice holds true whatever time of year it is. People are in a much more spend-friendly mood at this time of year. So the key to your success is to make it as easy as possible for them to spend money with you. If you don't have stock of something when they want to buy it at this time of year, people are just not going to wait for it to come into stock. They're simply going to go somewhere else or find it online and order it there. Now, I want to quickly talk about visual merchandising. So you've got your stock. Now, all we need to do is help it sell. Again, you need to make it as easy as possible. I'm going to say that over and over again. Get out of your own way. Don't make it difficult. Make it as easy as possible for anyone who comes into your salon to buy. Now, here are some of my favorite tips to help with this when it comes to visual merchandising. Now, remember, Eye level is buy level. This is an old merchandising adage and it has stuck around for years because it's true. You need to put your key selling items at your customer's eye level. That way, it's the first thing they see when they look at your retail displays. The first thing they pick up and the easiest thing for them to buy. But remember, there's more than just one eye level, especially in a salon or spa. You've got the most obvious eye level when standing, but typically in a salon you'd have a seating area. So place some of your products at eye level when seated and do the same for pedicure chairs, manicure tables. And also remember that you've got another eye level in your treatment rooms while your clients are on the treatment bed. You may also have a relaxation area. So put a display in there too. maximize your opportunities to sell and make sure that you've got a product display in all available areas. Now, next group items that go well together in your displays. If a client makes that first decision to buy, then the decision to buy another item comes even more easily. If they pick up, for example, a cleanser, make sure that the toner and the moisturizer that go with it are right close by so they can easily buy all of them together, if that makes sense. Now, also, when you're putting products out on display, remember the power of three. Now, along with the previous tip about grouping things together, try and place items in groups of three when you're creating your displays. Even numbers are difficult to make look interesting in a group, and it's too easy to simply put them next to each other or in a row or one behind another or stacked neatly together. 
This doesn't really make for an interesting display and therefore it doesn't draw the eye and it doesn't encourage further investigation by your clients. So put things together in groups of three with a bit of space in between them to really maximize that visual impact. Next up, price everything clearly. And your primary aim is to remove every possible barrier to a client making that purchase decision. The average customer doesn't enjoy asking how much something is. This is because we don't really want to look like we can't afford something if it turns out to be more expensive than we thought it was. This is probably most true of the male in the species. And remember, it's gift buying season, so you might get a lot more men looking for present ideas. So make sure everything you sell is clearly labeled with a price. This will not put anyone off buying it who is happy to pay that price, but it will stop someone who would otherwise have bought the product from not buying it because they didn't want to ask you how much it was. Now, I may not have worded that very well, but I'm sure you get the idea. Now, next, you could go one better than this. And rather than simply pricing everything, make it clear what a certain product is and what it does and what products work well together. And of course, what the benefits are. Now, this is not always completely obvious from the product name itself. Personally, I still get confused and I've worked with these products for years. Again, this is probably for the benefit of the men out there, particularly if they're buying for their wife, girlfriend, sister, mother, whoever. Again, make it as easy as possible for people to buy. Take away any confusion and make that purchase decision as simple as possible for them. Next up, get sensual. Now, bear with me a second. While sight is the most important sense we use when it comes to visual merchandising, the clue is in the name, don't forget you can give it a nudge by bringing other senses into play. Have an oil burner or diffuser loaded with fragrance of winter spice or something similar on the go to put people subconsciously into that Christmassy mood. Turn it up a notch with the occasional tasteful Christmas song on your playlist and even people who come into the salon having not yet thought about Christmas will soon find themselves browsing your displays looking for presents. Oh, and don't just bring out the same tired Christmas decorations. Threadbare, fake tree and thinning tinsel just aren't going to cut it. You've been using them for the past few years, so chuck them in the bin. Invest in some new decorations to help your salon stand out. Now, another tip, change it up. Now, while it's tempting to simply come up with your retail displays and stick with them throughout November and December, it might be worth moving things around every couple of weeks. Your regular clients will become accustomed to your displays and that means that they don't have the same visual impact once you see them again and again. It could be as subtle as changing the product groupings or swapping products that were on a shelf to being on a table and vice versa. Give your clients every opportunity to have their eye caught by your displays, to draw them in and make them at least investigate that purchase. Now, where can you display stuff? Well, you've probably got some standard places where you display retail items all year round in your salon. But at Christmas, consider kicking things up a notch and add some additional displays. Put things on a spare table in your waiting area or in a relaxation space. There are loads of places you can create eye-catching displays of varying sizes to entice your clients to buy. I'm thinking about obviously your main window displays, internal or smaller windows, normal retail stands, put things in your waiting areas and your relaxation space on reception. Got any cabinets that have got some spare places in them, put things in there on top of things, use tester stands, treatment rooms, manicure tables, literally everywhere. There shouldn't be anywhere in your salon that a client can't see at least some form of retail display. This could even be in your bathrooms in the form of a poster or something. 
Now, a great tip I saw recently was to put small, lower priced items on your reception desk, right where people usually pay for things. If you've ever wondered why when you're in a supermarket, there are those small sweets and batteries and gift cards and things right next to the till. It's so that people who might not have bought otherwise see them and then suddenly think, oh, I needed to buy those batteries for that remote control that's running out or ah, I forgot to get that present for Katie. I'll just grab one of these iTunes gift cards. Last minute purchases. Brilliant. Have a small display of items on your reception and put a sign next to them saying stocking fillers. And trust me, you're guaranteed to sell some of these last minute items too. Let's talk quickly about your window displays. Now, in a lot of salons, the main area and probably the only area for display is probably going to be in your window. After all, this is the one space that you can actually encourage people into your business to make a purchase who weren't already coming in to spend money in the first place. Now, here are a couple of tried and tested tips to make your window displays stand out from the rest. First of all, inject some movement if you can by using some dangling tinsel and a small fan. Our most primal instincts are programmed to detect movement and a simple window display of products sat there alone just won't really catch the eye as much as some gently swaying sparkly tinsel or something. Next, stand out with colours. Christmas is the perfect time of year to use big, bold colours to really make your displays stand out. You could go with the classic red, green and gold or a more subtle white and red combo. Or you could bring it right up to date with blue, white and silver. Or maybe I've just watched too much Frozen with my daughter. Anyway, pick a theme of colours and run with it throughout your whole salon for a really consistent Christmas experience. And you can also use height to inject a bit of variety into your window display. A boring line of products on a shelf just won't really cut it if you want to stand out. Place products of varying sizes at multiple heights in your window display. This is really easy to do at Christmas, simply by wrapping up empty boxes of various sizes and stacking them on top of each other to look like Christmas presents. Then simply put your products around them and on top of them to just give a bit of variety. Now, don't forget also that there are different types of passers-by when it comes to your window. Someone who walks right past your window, if you're lucky enough to be on a high street or a high footfall area, they'll easily see smaller items that you put in your window. But someone driving by, if you're on a road, or walking by on the far side of the street, will need much more larger items to catch their eye. So have smaller interesting items to catch the interest of people who walk by and larger items or signs or writing to catch the attention of drivers or passers-by on the other side of the street. Next, use some creative lighting to highlight particular products or just make your window display stand out. At this time of year, it's easier than ever as you can simply get some cheap Christmas tree lights and use them in an effective way, sprinkled around your displays just to light things up and make it a bit more interest. If you want some inspiration, check out Pinterest and just simply type in Christmas light ideas for displays and you'll get tons of ideas. Now, let's talk about the art of selling. Okay, let's get this straight right from the start. There's absolutely nothing wrong with selling as long as you genuinely feel that the product is right for your customer and that it will bring a benefit to them that they're looking for. Now, the term sales or selling does get a bad reputation, even these days, because we still think of those kind of pushy salespeople where someone has cornered you and they start trying to make you buy something that you just don't want or need. But if a client has come to you or you've used a product in a treatment and they've expressed an interest, then sell that product to them. Don't force it on them. Simply tell them the benefits 
make it clear that you feel it's the right thing for them, if you do that is, and they will buy. If they don't, don't worry about it. If they buy one product and you feel that there is another product that will go well with it or simply related to it that you think your client will enjoy, then do the same. Explain the benefits, tell them why you think it's right for them, and if they agree, it's as simple as that. But don't just stop there. Don't stop just because they've decided to buy one thing. Your work isn't done just because you've got that tick in the box to say you've sold something. If you know that purchasing another product or even a whole range of products will help that client get the results that they've told you that they're looking for, explain this to them and help them to understand and buy those products. Now, I'm not for a second here saying that sales is easy. Sales does have this bad reputation and most therapists feel a little uncomfortable performing the act of selling or retailing. I could host a series of episodes on this subject alone. In fact, I already have focused on this for a whole single episode back in episode four with Pete Scott, which I would highly recommend you go and check out if you haven't already done so. If you've got any kind of concerns or fears or just feelings around the subject of sales. But for now, make this simple concept clear to yourself in your head and to all of your staff, remind them and even remind yourself every day if you have to. Now, things that will help in this process and give you a better chance of successfully making more sales are the following. Okay, first up, listen more. Read books. Read any books on sales that are written in the last 15 years and they'll all focus far more on listening to your clients than it will about a sales pitch, a pre-practiced sales pitch. Now, as beauty professionals and therapists, you're already expert listeners. So just turn this skill into understanding what a client wants and what they need and what they're looking for and simply match the product to whatever it is that they're asking you. Now, next up, product knowledge. There's just no substitute for understanding a product and being able to speak about it with confidence. Know the product, know what it does and what the benefits are and understand as much as possible who it's right for. Also understand who it's wrong for and always be honest. Remember to talk only about the benefits. No one cares what's in the product, what the active ingredient is. They just want to know that it's going to give them results and how it's going to make them feel, how it's going to make their lives better. Next up is to offer more. Now, I know I've just kind of said this already, but it's important. So I'm going to say it again. If a client buys one item, don't be afraid to suggest an item that goes along with it or simply a different item that you think your client would enjoy. Just because a client has bought one item, don't feel that that is all you need to do. It's actually easier to sell someone a second, third or fourth item than it is to sell that first one. Once the decision to buy has been made in the mind of your client, the decision to buy something else comes far more easily. Next, you need to make sure you've got the stock. If you identify a product as being right for a client during a treatment or a consultation, and then you don't have that product in stock for them to buy right there and then, then at this time of year, people are even less likely to wait for it to come in. They'll go somewhere else, they'll order it online, or they'll just forget all about it. And suggesting one item to them and then trying to shift to a different item because you found out that the original one wasn't in stock, that's just not going to work. It's going to break the trust with your client. They might buy the alternative product this time to you know, keep you happy. But this is where sales starts to get that bad reputation and they'll be much more wary of making a retail purchase from you in the future. 
Next, I want you to focus on up-serving. Now, typically people talk about up-selling in retail, but I don't like this name as it comes dangerously close to that whole sleazy sales practices thing that gives sales a bad reputation in the first place. Up-selling implies that you're trying to get someone to spend more money just because you think you can. However, up-serving to me means that there might be a better product than the one the client has already chosen. It might be a bit more expensive or it might be cheaper might not even be a product at all. It might be a treatment or a course of treatments. As long as any suggestion you make to a client regarding additional spend comes from a place where you feel that there's a better option than the one that they have selected, then this is an upserve. This is the right way to do things. And as long as you explain why you feel it's better, it will even build trust with your clients. The client gets to make the choice themselves. They can stick with the purchase they've already decided on or take your advice and buy the other. Everyone wins. Now these are some of my best tried and tested fast impact tips for maximizing your retail sales at Christmas time and to be honest, all year round. We've covered why retail is so important at Christmas. We've covered how to make your products really stand out using visual marketing and where to place all your displays. And finally, we covered some quick wins when it comes to the process of actually selling to your clients. Now, if you're wondering why I started with retail rather than treatments, then there's a very good reason for this. In fact, there's actually a couple of them. First of all, I wanted to remind you as early as I could to order your Christmas retail stock now before it's sold out. Please, if you haven't done this already, when you finish listening to this podcast, go and have a look at that based on all of the information that I've given you. And the second reason is that if you wait until you've put in place your Christmas marketing and your promotions and then wait until your clients are already coming into your salon for treatments before you think about retail, then it's already too late. You need all your retail products, all your merchandising displays, your product knowledge, your sales mentality and your incentives in place before people come to see you to really make the most of this opportunity at this time of year. Basically, the idea is to have everything in place before people start showing up to your salon. So that's it for this episode. I've touched upon the key elements of the beauty business money triangle at Christmas. I hope I've given you some actionable ideas to help make this Christmas your best ever and give you a massive boost to going into the new year. Now remember there's part two of this little mini series coming next week where we'll talk about the other two parts of the money triangle and how they can help maximize your Christmas and give you that massive start on next year. So don't forget to tune in for that episode next week. My best advice is to subscribe to the podcast in whatever podcast application you're using and that way you'll never miss an episode. Now speaking of a massive boost for the new year, how would you like to follow up your best Christmas ever with your best year ever? Well, I'm joining forces with Phil Jackson from over at Build Your Salon to put on a live and in-person event, possibly two of them, in January here in the UK. We're going to be focusing on using goal setting to transform your business in 2018. Now, this is going to be a really amazing workshop, and our aim is not just to explain what goal setting is and how it can help you and then send you on your way, we're going to create your own goals for 2018 and create a plan to achieve them all in the workshop itself. So you'll literally leave the workshop with an actionable plan for your business to deliver your best year ever. 
Now, if this sounds good to you, and to be honest, why wouldn't it, then head to my show notes page at www.beautybusinesspodcast.com forward slash episode 19, or check out the podcast notes and there'll be a link in there as well. And I'll put more details and information about the event and about booking right there. I truly hope you found some useful information in this episode. I really don't hold anything back when I create this show. These are genuinely the best revenue maximization tips for making massive sales at Christmas time. So you should at least have found one or two or hopefully a lot more ideas that can help you have your best Christmas ever. Now, if you've heard something you like the sound of, something that's made you think, hmm, I like that idea, I'm going to use that, then can I ask you one simple favor? Pop over to iTunes or whatever podcast application that you're using, leave the show an honest rating and a review. This isn't an ego thing, I promise you. I use the reviews to help me to understand what help and what advice people need and to make sure that I'm actually delivering it. And while I have very little evidence to back this up, I believe that leaving a review, leaving a positive review, tells iTunes that this show is worth suggesting to other listeners and in turn it means that I can reach more independent beauty business owners just like you and to help them create the business they dream of. So if you wouldn't mind, you can do it from your phone, from your tablet or your computer. It just takes a couple of minutes. Go on, do it now. And I'll read out some recent reviews on next week's episode. You might even get yours read out. So keep it clean, but feel free to say what you like. I want you to be honest. Right, that's it for this week. Don't forget to come back for next week's episode where we'll be completing this advice on how to have your best Christmas ever. There's still two more stages, including number three, which is the most important stage of all. So I'll see you back here next week. Same place, sort of same time. Bye for now. <laughs>